Well, hello. <clears throat> it is good to be here with you today. Um, and uh, I just want to just start off by saying this morning to, to Lash, thank you so much for letting me share this pulpit this morning. Um, I preached my first sermon when I was 17 years old, and the weight of sharing the gospel, the weight of sharing the word, was so heavy on my heart um, that, that that weight continues today, and I feel it this morning as I have the opportunity to share with you. So I want you to know I take this seriously being in your pulpit today, and, and I appreciate that opportunity to share. Um, at the same time, um, I'm just so impressed with your church. Um, it's so cool for me to get to come back and see a church that is living and active and moving and breathing and fulfilling the, the word of God, like fulfilling its purpose. That to me is so impressive. And I know that you're in it every week, but let me tell you as an outsider looking in, coming in, you've got an amazing church that's doing some amazing things. Um, I'm serious. And just the fact that you're international and you're, you're reaching across all nations and all borders and all things to reach people of all types, I, I think it's amazing. Speaking of, of a sanctity of human life and, and, and to walk in and see God baptized this morning. Oh my gosh, I, I wasn't lying and I'm not being super spiritual this morning. I really literally were in tears in the balcony up here in the sound booth watching this take place this morning because... As I share with the students, nothing more than Jesus Christ can bring us together in such a way of like this water and this symbolism of his death and resurrection. Only Jesus Christ can reach cross-culturally. Only he can bridge and heal what we wounded, what we did. Humanity created borders, not God. And only Christ can do that. And to see that come together here in, in Texas is just, wow, it's awesome. I get a little emotional on baptisms because I think it's just so powerful. Um, I was blessed this year. We got to end our ministry year with baptism. We baptized 16 people in a, in a, in a hot springs. You know, it was cold. Um, not like this. Um, this is not fair. Um, this is not right um, in any way whatsoever. Um, but it was cold, and we were going to go to um, the river and baptize, and it was way too cold, so we went to the natural hot springs. And on a Sunday morning, uh, while people were publicly swimming and enjoying that, we kind of went to one of the pools, and we baptized some people. And, you know, what was really cool about that baptism, um, I, was, uh, uh, I always get asked to do the baptisms, and I always refuse to do them by myself. I always ask the pastor to do them with me. And um, the pastor got in, and we were baptizing these, these people. And, and I just left it open, and, you know, and I said, listen, you know, as we finish right now, I want to leave it open. If any of you have ever followed Jesus and you want to follow through baptism right now, we can do it right now. And this is a time, if you want to have faith in, if, as long as you have faith in Christ, we can do this right now. And lo and behold, all three of the pastor's children came down, and, man, he baptized his sons and daughters. I said, that's the way to end the year. And if that's the way we're in in 2018, I can't wait to see 2019. God's moving, and I'm so excited to see that. And I'm excited to take a step away for a second to come to where you're at and join what God's doing here and see the God moving in the lives of your students and moving in the lives of this D now. 
Um, I just want to commend you with one more thing. I'm sorry. I just, I'm, I feel like, I feel like I'm not like a, I really believe coming in and, and, and just encouraging the work that's going, going forward because like I'm not the center of the world. Christ is, and I know you're working hard and I want to come encourage you with what you're doing, but thank you for doing like sanctity of life and, and pushing that. Um, I think that's really important. And I can tell you that, um, my wife and, uh, and I have two children and our third is adopted. And so we have three children and, um, we don't really even use that word adoption or her because she's just our daughter and um she um she was abandoned and um you know my wife was on me for many years to um do adoption and I said no and no 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 and one day I remember I was actually on a on a trip here in Texas and she called me up and said hey I'm gonna file the adoption papers if that's okay and I'm like yes you know yes 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 I'm behind yes and God changed my heart. And when I never thought we would ever adopt, God changed my heart. And I said, yes, let's do this. And so we began the adoption process. It took five years to adopt our daughter. It took a consulate from Holland to put in a good word um, to get us one of the top immigration lawyers in Chicago. It took a senator from Oklahoma and thousands of phone calls and millions of prayers for our daughter to finally have to take a trip to Buffalo, New York to raise her hand. And now she has three countries she's a part of. She has the country of Honduras, she has the country of America, and she has the country of Texas. So she is um, a wonderful, wonderful girl, and uh, I wish she could be here with us, but um, they're in house church this morning. We do a house church on Sunday mornings with a little village called Katulaka, and um, we've been doing that village since the very first Sunday we arrived in Honduras, and it's a children's ministry raising up the next generation uh, in this little village. And so, um, man, it's just so good to be here. It's good to be with you guys, and, and um, thank you for the worship this morning, wherever you went, the worship guy went. Um, it was, oh, there you go. Man, it's really good. I know you hear this probably. Man, you, that was like a Chris Tomlin feel there you got. Like, I hear Chris Tomlin when you speak and, or sing, so I know you've never heard that before, but um, man, it was just good to hear that in English, and um, and just worship with you guys this morning. And uh, so let's dig in scripture. Can we do that? Can we dig into some scripture this morning? So the first thing I want to dig into, let's go to John chapter one this morning. And um, we've been talking with the students about like going all in and just like, what does it take to like go all in in your faith? You know, what, what does it mean to take up that cross? And uh, we talked about... Um, with the students how, you know, I believe that many of us sit as believers and, man, we know there's more out there. Like, we know Christ has more for us. Like, there's just more to this Christianity thing than, than what meets the eye. There, there's more than sitting in the pews in church. This is great. This is wonderful. The, the community, the worship, the encouragement, like, this is awesome. But there's more to it than sitting in this chair. There's so much more to it. And, and when we see this... We were, we, we were just trying to have this confession, this, this admitting that there is more. Yes, there is more, okay? And, and in order to experience that more, it's going to require us to take a step of faith. Not having all the plans, not understanding everything, not knowing it's going to go like A, B, C, and D. You know, a lot of times we think God wants us to drive. He doesn't. He wants us to ride. And, you know, we, I, I love sharing the story with these students, especially my, 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 my daughter, Isabella, um, is that, you know, she's always saying, Poppy, how much longer? Poppy, how much longer? She has no concept of time. 
time whatsoever, and, but yet she always wants to know how much longer, and uh, instead of telling time to her because she doesn't get time, we live in the mountains, so it's usually up, down, around, in, and so uh, a lot of times when we're driving, even in Texas, she's like, so Poppy, we got to go up, down, up, down, 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 up, round, turn, and in, and I'm like, yes, that's exactly what we got to do, and my wife just goes, thanks. Um, for teaching that. And so, um, like, there's just there's no concept. And, and at the same time, you know, um, when we're with Jesus and he asks us to walk with him, he asks us to come into to relationship with him, he's not asking us to drive. He says, listen, come for the ride. I, I've got control. You just come for the ride and let me show you what's going on. And so many times we're saying, you know, Poppy, how much longer? Poppy, where are we going? Poppy, what's the plan? And he's just like, just, I got this. Just enjoy the ride. And, but that takes faith, right? That takes that trusting to step out. And then we went in and we talked about the sin that entangles us. And we talked about, are we going to exchange the, 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 the shame of the cross, you know, the public shame of the cross, the ridicule from the culture, the ridicule from the world of, of, the, of, of the cross of being rejected by the world, or do we want to live with the shame of sin? Which one do we want? And we got to choose which one. And we know that as we actually follow after Christ, that shame of the cross actually turns into respect because people actually begin to respect us for what we do. So we endure that shame for a moment. But really, 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 we don't have to endure living in sin and the shame that we have to live with when we have sin, which leads us to having to throw that off. And we were talking a little this morning, and I want to share with you guys this morning the same thing where I kind of want to take the students next, but also where I want to take you guys at, because really the success of the students is really revolves around you. And the topic that I want to talk about for you to have a great, amazing walk with Christ also revolves around what I want to tell the students this morning. So this is a congregational message. Please don't turn me, turn, don't turn, tune me out because it's like, oh, that's, here's the D now message. No, this is like, this is for all of us this morning. And what I was trying to tell the students this morning is that I think one of the biggest things that we struggle with, especially, you know, we've all been through those high emotional experiences, those, those camp highs, right? We've been through those D-now highs. We've been through salvation highs. Think about your salvation high for a moment, right? Remember that time when you came to Christ and, man, it was like, man, Jesus is awesome. Oh, my gosh, this is amazing. And then before long, we start, like, it kind of fades a little bit, right? And then we go to a retreat or we, we, or we, get, we have this moment. We've got these moments where it's like, man, this is great. How do we keep that rolling? That's the question. That's been the youth ministry question for many years. I was a youth minister for 13 years before I went to Honduras as a missionary. So, like, how's that? We're familiar with this, this, this highs and these big emotional moments. How do we keep that consistency in our faith. And, and in my opinion, and what I've seen and what I believe to be true is, is that it depends who, on who you're walking with. We're not meant to do it alone. Our Christian faith is not meant to be alone at all. And, and what keeps us moving and what keeps us going and what keeps us active and what keeps us to, to accountable and successful, accessible and successful is who are we walking with? Who are you with? Who's building you up? Who are you bringing along and who is bringing you along? And we see this beautiful moment in John chapter one where the disciples who are wanting more, we have Andrew and John. They're following John the Baptist because they know there's more. For, for, for golly, so many years we've seen over and over that the prophecies have been promising the Messiah's coming, there's more coming. Man, so much is coming, so much is coming. There is salvation coming. The restoration of Israel's coming. This amazing thing's happening. The Messiah, the Messiah, the Messiah. And you find these two guys following John the Baptist who is preaching. The Messiah is coming. Repent and be baptized <laughs> because the Messiah is coming. He's coming. He's coming. And these guys are like, I'm in. I'm in. Teach me. I'm getting prepped. I'm ready. I'm looking for the Messiah. 
And we see this wonderful time right here where John is going and, and he's walking and, and scripture tells us that one day John's walking and he turns and he goes, hey, hey guys, look, there he is. That's him. The Lamb of God, there he is. Sorry, that's, y'all might have to, I get excited so you may have to watch my level. <laughs> And John is looking and he's excited because that's the Messiah. That is in the flesh, the prophecy promise, dwelling in the flesh, walking amongst us. That's Jesus right there. That's him. And, and, and really what we see is nothing happens. I mean, he just points out Jesus. And a lot of times that's what we're doing as ministers. That's what we're doing as leaders. That's what we're supposed to be doing as a church. There he is. There he is. That's him pointing out Jesus. But we see in scripture, it tells us the very next day, the very next day, chapter or verse 35, the next day, John was there again and two of his disciples, when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the lamb of God. Now we, if you've been in church long, this is like kind of like one of these religious phrases, lamb of God. But in this day, for John to come out and call Jesus the lamb, the sacrificial lamb, to alluding to the lamb, the Passover lamb, the lamb that saved them from Egypt, the lamb that God sent to walk in the flesh, that's the lamb of God, that's the Messiah. I'm making this proclamation right now. This is a huge statement, right, Pastor? This is huge. And it's as if John the Baptist is telling his two, which we know is Andrew and John later on. We know Andrew because it mentions him, and we assume it's John for the most part because it's not mentioned and it's the gospel of John. So it's got to be John, right? And so, and so he tells these two guys, there's more. Look at this. And we see that Andrew and John kind of have this already, this principle of walking with somebody because they're walking with John the Baptist. But John the Baptist is saying there's something greater over there. And you have this awkward encounter. Now, maybe it's just my interpretation. I, I don't want to misinterpret, but this is kind of the way I see it, right? So when the two disciples heard him say this, when they heard them say this, they what? They followed Jesus. They were like, peace out, John. I'm gone. I'm going to go see that guy, all right? I'm gone, all right? Thank you for everything. Thanks for what you've done. It's time for me to move forward. I'm on. Here we go. And they start following Jesus. Now, Jesus being all-knowing and all-powerful, knowing everything else, Jesus already gets that feeling. He didn't have to be all-powerful to know this. You know, you kind of get that feeling when somebody's like, you know, watching you and walking behind you, you know, that weird feeling. Had that happen to me once in Honduras. I was walking down the street one day. I'm walking right down, and it's it's really good. Uh, I like to walk occasionally. It helps me breathe and refocus. And I'm walking down, and this dude is sitting on this porch, and He's looking at me, and he's kind of like giving me the stare down as I'm coming like down like this, and he's watching me going. I'm like, okay, what's going on here, man? Okay, all right, fine. I, I kind of keep walking, and out of the corner of my eye, he gets up, and he starts following me, right? It's kind of like I pick Jesus. You know, Jesus is like, oh, uh, hey, John, I am the Lamb of God, and then all of a sudden he's walking, and here these two guys start following him, right? So I can relate here a little bit, okay? I'm walking, this dude's following right behind me, and I get that eerie feeling like something doesn't feel right. Now, I, I mean, I may not look like much, Physically speaking, there's, we call them gatos. I got some gatos underneath here. Uh, some guns. I mean, I, I think I could hold my own for the most part. Okay, I feel like I could hold my own. Okay, I've seen enough movies. And I'm walking and I'm kind of like, you know, limbering up. I'm thinking, I'm about to knock this dude out. Because I feel like I'm about to get attacked. That's the way I feel. And that, this has never happened before. It's never happened since. And, I, and, and, and I'm just like, okay, all right. And I get this moment, and finally I'm like, all right, here we go. And I go, 
like that, like, hey, what are you doing? I mean, like, you know, I'm, I'm defending myself. It, and I'm telling you, it, it really kind of freaked me out a little bit. What's going on here? And the guy goes, no, 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 he goes, do you speak English? And I said, yes. He goes, will you help me with my homework? <laughs> I said, man, LL Cool J is about to write another message. But I, I'm telling you, like, I am telling you right now, I'm in that freaked me out. And that's kind of how I, I picture this when I see this, maybe from my experience. You know, like Jesus is walking, right? And here are these two guys almost stalking him behind him. And Jesus turns around to him, right? And he doesn't give a speech. He doesn't give a motivation. Jesus just simply says, what? He turns around and Jesus goes, what do you want? <laughs> and the guys, so full of faith to actually believe John that they're not just, John's not just saying that's one cool dude. They're not just saying that's one awesome man. He's calling him the Lamb of God. He's calling him the fulfillment of more than 300 prophecies. He's calling him the long-awaited promise. They take a step of faith, students, out and believing this is the man to follow, and they're going after him, and with all the faith required to follow after Jesus, but yet all the anxiety to ask and all the nervousness to say, "Uh, can I go with you? Jesus simply says, what do you want? And they awkwardly say, sir, rabbi, uh, senor, where are you staying at tonight? (laughs) I don't know, culturally in this day, I'm not an expert, but that's like an awkward question. It's not like, hey, how's it going, you know? Son of God, right? Let's go through all the prophecies, naming you're the Son of God, the Lamb of God. I know who you are, right? They're not going, I've heard your teaching. It's amazing. Man, you're an awesome... There's a thousand things they could have said to Jesus, but what do they say? Uh, um, um, Where are you staying at tonight? And Jesus, in all his wonderfulness, he says, come with me and you'll see. No instructions, no promises, no guarantees, nothing. And we see that they go with Jesus. And as they go with Jesus, they spend the day with him. The day. In fact, this time is so amazing. John marks the time frame that they spend with him. He says it right here. He says, they went and saw in verse, uh, well, come and, and he said, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent the day with him. At, it was about four in the afternoon. John, like, says, this experience was so amazing, I'm going to note it down. I saw my wife for the first time at 9.35 in the morning on a Sunday I don't know the date, but I saw her on a Sunday at 9.35 in the morning in Sunday school when she first walked in. I remember when I first saw my wife. John notes down when he first saw that, no wonder, and he's called the Beloved. He notes this time. It's an amazing time. And from this point forward, these two men begin walking with Jesus. Not only that, but this time is so amazing that immediately after this, Andrew goes and he invites someone called his brother. (laughs) Dude, you got to check this out. Come on. A little after a while, it doesn't take much time. Actually, it says the next day, Jesus was decided to leave for Galilee, and he found Philip. And what did Philip do? Philip went and found Nathanael. And Jesus starts this, like, to me, fundamental ministry process, this fundamental church process of walking together. And they begin to walk together. If you follow up with the scriptures, you continue to see in the scriptures that the apostles afterwards 
continue to walk with people. And I think it's so important in our faith. You know, we, 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 we all have gifts and talents. We all have those things we're passionate about. And we get fired up about something and we get moved by it. And, man, I, hate, I don't... I know churches and I know people and a lot of times we don't even talk to our spouses about those passions who we should be walking with our spouses with, let alone somebody else in the congregation. Not here, but other places, of course. And so, you know, like we, we end up trying to think we're supposed to do this Christian thing and it's me and God. And it's not. It's all of us. We're supposed to walk together. And this came so true for me. This is where it blew up for me, okay? Because, you know, I'm, I'm gonna be real honest with you. When I was in ministry, when I first started, I thought I had all the solutions to everything. I was 18, okay? And I thought I had the solutions for everything. I graduated on Friday and I went on staff on, Monday, on Sunday morning as a part-time youth minister. And I had two students and I was ready to turn the world upside down. We were gonna start revival. Surely you heard about the revival in Zion Hill? No. History books tend to write stuff later on. So nonetheless, um, you know what I'm saying? I, was, I had it all out, and what I really did is, is I went in, going to fix everything, and told everybody what they should know, and you should get on board and do what I'm supposed to do and follow me. And I realized that that didn't last very long. But like, it, like it didn't. I, we kind of mutually asked each other to leave. <laughs> it was terrible because I tried to do it all on my own. So many churches you hear about some, some leadership trying to tell the other leadership what to do instead of walking together. So often you have the pastor trying to move somewhere and the church not walking with them or you have church members walking somewhere but the pastor not on board and that creates disaster. I know that's not happening here. I really don't. I see things happening great here but if we want to move the kingdom forward we've got to walk together. Not only together as a congregation but we have to walk together in our spiritual lives. And so my question is who do you walk with? Who do you personally spend your time with? This is one of the very rare occasions, I feel a hypocrite preaching this this morning because this is the only occasion that I don't have somebody with me today. Normally, everywhere I go, there is always somebody with me, no matter who it is. Sometimes it's students, sometimes it's other pastors, sometimes it's my board of directors, sometimes it's a friend that I call up and say, hey, well, they're gonna go up to a church this weekend, you wanna go? Yeah, let's do it. Especially in Honduras, when I go and I visit churches, I never go to a church ever alone. We always walk with somebody because I believe that we are called to hold people accountable and we're called to help people, to grow people up. And not only am I helping somebody else, but they're helping me. And students, if you want to take what we talked about and you want to take up your cross and you want to go even further and you really want to dive all in and go all out, in congregation, I I tell you the same thing. If you want to go all out, you need somebody to walk with. You need somebody to make you better and to hold you up and to push you and to make you stronger. I I think we see that's how the church started. I think that's how the church maintained itself. You see over and over again, Peter, he goes to prison. Who's he in prison with? In Acts chapter 4 and 5. John, why? Because they were walking together. Where were they walking to? Walking to church to worship together. What happened? They healed the man and they did it together. End up in prison together, got beat together, got out together. And what did they do? They went and told everybody together and they all rejoiced together. Pablo, man. Pablo, he is actually the very first part of Paul's ministry is a failure. Paul is converted to Damascus, goes in there. Everybody's like, get out of here. Kicks him out of Damascus, go to Jerusalem. The disciples are like, uh, <laughs> I heard about you, not so sure about you. He ends up going back home, right? God blows up the church 
and in Antioch, the church is rising up tremendously. So the church in Jerusalem sends Barnabas. Barnabas goes up to Antioch, and he's like, man, God's doing some good things up here. They're like, yeah, I know. Barnabas goes, can't do this alone. I need somebody. He goes and gets Pablo. He goes and gets Paul, brings Paul back, and together they minister and they teach and they preach, and together they go back to Jerusalem and take an offering for those that are in famine, and together they come back with somebody they invited to walk with them named John Mark, and they come back, and then they're there, and then what happens? The church, through the guiding of the Holy Spirit, chooses to send out the first missionaries, and what does he do? The Spirit set apart Barnabas and Saul to go out. Because we were meant to be together. We were meant to do it together. We were meant to walk together. We were meant to grow together. We were meant to worship together. We were meant to serve together. This is a short service. Um, (laughs) If I didn't have my ticket, we'd come back next week, Pastor. (laughs) Um, But here's the thing. This is what changed my life is that when someone first asked me this question, who taught you how to share the gospel? I love this video that we had in Brazil because I love the fact that they're sharing the gospel, right? So, many, so much mission work is about what we're building and what we're giving away and who we're healing, and we're never sharing the gospel. And I'll just tell you right now, as a missionary, I'm strong in the fact that if you go on a mission trip that doesn't share the gospel, you didn't go on a mission trip. Just want you to know that, okay? You went on a nice, fun humanitarian trip. You need to share the gospel. That's missions. Missions without the gospel isn't that. It's like going to church and not talking about Jesus. You weren't in church. (laughs) You were in a gathering together. Jesus is the center of church. Jesus is the center of missions. And so I love to see this missions, the gospel is being preached here, Pastor. That's great. But the thing is, is that when we go out, I never had anybody teach me how to share the gospel. When I say that, I'm not saying that no one ever told me the steps. I mean, I've been through the bridge illustration, the Romans road, the bracelet, the four by four. I, I, I know the strategy. But no one ever walked up and said, hey, today I've been talking to this guy, and I'm going to go to his house, and hey, you know what, you want to go with me to share the gospel? Has anybody ever taken you to share the gospel? I'm going to take a guess. It's just a guess. That's all it is. I'm not trying to be condemning. I'm just taking a guess. But it probably more than likely you're not sharing the gospel right now either because you don't know how because you know the theory but you've never seen the practice and you're really longing for somebody to share the practice. And if someone would take you, wouldn't you be willing to go with them to share it? Yeah. We just need somebody to take us with them. And if you know how to share the gospel, then you've got a responsibility to start inviting people with you to go together to share the gospel, to do work to walk together, to grow together, to pray together, to study together. Man, I love studying God's word, but I get somebody together that's got God's word, whether it's young or old, and we start talking about scripture together, and when I talk to scripture together, all of a sudden, wow, either I'm leading them to something I knew, or they, they're showing me something. I have a young man that, walk, that we walk together right now. His name is Joshua, and Joshua graduated from Howard Payne University, and he's been an interim youth minister, and he's been in two places, and now he's a missionary in Honduras. He's serving with us, and I love the conversations we have because sometimes I'm trying to bring this in-depth concept to him from the scripture, and he's sitting there going, yeah, but it's really simple, man. It's just one, two, three, and I'm like, yeah, it really is, isn't it? I'm learning so much from this young man when I'm the one supposed to be teaching him something. Walking together. It's, it's, such a, it's so powerful and so important. Um, two stories, and I'll finish up today, okay? Just two stories, and we'll go. And um, the first thing is, is that I was reading this scripture, and it comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. And it says this. I'll read it to you real quick. So we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we delighted to share with you not only the gospel, but our lives. 
Isn't that beautiful? Like, I didn't just come with the gospel. I came to share my life. I came to live life with you. I came to walk with you. I came to struggle with you, to be with you, to go through the good, to go through the bad. That's what, that's, that's what we love to do. That's what Paul did with those, with him in Thessalonica. I can't remember, was it Silas was with him in Thessalonica? I can't remember who was with him, but he had somebody with him in Thessalonica, right? And so here he is in Thessalonica, and, and notice the we in there, right? We, we cared for you because we loved you so much, because we were delighted to share the gospel with you, not only the gospel, but also our lives. Paul was walking together. That verse changed me, it turned me upside down. It changed my life. We were in a village. We got a pastor named Trini, Trinidad, short for the Trinity, all right? Trinidad Melgar. And we are in the village, and he is ministering. He's planted a church in another village that's 40, well, 38 minutes away, okay? 38 minutes away by foot. 38 minutes away, 54 minutes, two, okay? That's the average for us. Trini can make it like 15, but um, we were going down there and asking Trini to disciple somebody. I'm saying, Trini, I want you, you need to get somebody to disciple. I want you to pick a name. Name someone to disciple. And I know you know a lot of people that need to know Jesus, but I want you to name somebody to be discipled. And Trini just wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it, wouldn't do it. And we were coming out of the village one day, and I'm like, Trini, hey, um, what... <laughs> what's going on with this discipleship thing? And he goes, you know, I'm scared. And I said, I know, discipleship is so hard. You gotta put yourself out there and maybe you don't know enough, but listen, man, if you know a lot, share a lot, know a little, share a little, whatever you gotta do, you gotta share, man. And you gotta get out there and you gotta share what you know and don't worry about it. And I know sometimes like, you know, you're like, you're living it out and then sometimes you're not living it out and it's hard because sometimes you feel like a hypocrite, but you got the grace of God and you gotta show people grace. And I'm, I'm playing all these scenarios of why discipleship's hard. And he's like sitting there and he goes, no, that's not it. And I'm out of breath, not only because I was talking, but because I was walking up. And he goes, here's the thing. He goes, because we know how this works. If we, if we, you know, if we disciple somebody, you'll leave us. See, what he's accustomed to is somebody coming in, and when things get better, when we start walking with somebody for a little bit, and it gets better, then we missionaries go on to the worst people after that. I said, Trini, Dad, I'm, I'm never going to leave you, man. Trina, you're my friend. I want to walk with you through the good and the bad. We bring a church group down there all the time, and, and, and the church group comes. It's, they're from West, comma, Texas. Not West Texas like Midland Pecos, but West, comma, Texas by Waco. Fertilizer explosion, that's that West, comma, Texas. They come down, they partnership with Santa Elena. They come down in partnership with Don Trinidad, and we walk down. One year, we're walking down there, and we're in there, and the youth minister comes up, and he's like, man, I got this sick kid. He can't make it up that thing. There's no way. Three people puked yesterday going up. There's no way he's going to be able to get up there. There's no way, man. Please, um, dude, we we're going to start right now. We're going to have to carry him out, and we've got this, like, like, you know, medic thing or whatever. And I said, just take the other way. And he goes... This guy's been coming here for four years, all right? And, and he kind of gripes about having to walk down there, all right? And uh, he goes, uh, what? I said, take, take the other way. And he goes, what other way? And I said, well, the shortcut. And he goes, there's a shortcut? I said, yeah, it's like this flat flat road out of here and he goes we're gonna talk later 
And later we were sitting there and he says, dude, seriously, why didn't you tell us about the shortcut? We bring these people, we rent these trucks, right? And we've got to put this in like four-wheel drive low and four-wheel drive low barely gets us to the village and we get to the village and then we've got to walk all the way down this place and our legs are burning and literally people get sick. I have all the rocks named on the way up there where you sit down. That's where Felipe sat down. That's where John sat down. That's where Myra sat down. You know, I mean, that's where Melissa threw up. That's, you know, I mean, I mean, this is like all these things along the path, right? Named. And he's sitting there and he's saying, why in the world do we walk down here? Why don't we just go this way? I said, because if we just go this way, then you don't get to walk 38 minutes plus 54 minutes on the way back with Don Trini dad. It's time we get to spend with Don Trini. And he's like, oh, I said, think about all the conversations we've had over the years as we've walked up and down with Don Trini. Think about what he's learned and think about what you've learned. You see, son, you get caught up in the event, you get caught up in the project, you get caught up in the statistic, but I want you to tell you something. My people are not statistics and my people are not projects. They have names. And they're called Don Trini, Carmen, Daisy, Miguel, Elsie. And we walk with people for that reason. Yeah, it's harder. And yeah, it takes longer. But that's why we walk with people. I want someone to walk with me up and down the hills of my faith when it's hard and when it's easy. I want somebody just to walk with me. I'm not always wanting the answers. I don't always want the solution. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the solution. I don't want somebody to walk with me with, with me through it. I'm over, and I'm sorry. I'm going to stop right there. I can keep going. Thank you for letting me share today. Thank you for letting me walk with you for a little bit. I really appreciate it. I do believe in your congregation. I think you guys got some amazing things going on. But if the Lord Jesus asked somebody to walk with him, I think we should follow that example. We don't have to have all the answers and all the plans. It's just a simple like, hey, just come and see. Let's go figure it out. And let's be faithful with every step we take. I did a revival. Thanks. Come on up. And this is the last one as I'm leaving. I did a revival not that long ago in October. I had a 78-year-old man walk up. And he put his arm around another man, and he goes, I found somebody to walk with me. And I periodically get pictures of these two older gentlemen walking together and praying together because they were lonely and didn't know what else they could do, thought their faith, thought their journey was done, and they're doing some amazing things for their church together. Thank you, guys. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for what you do. And Lord, we just thank you so much. And oh, Lord, we could talk about you all day long. And Um, Lord, just help us to walk together. Help us to share our faith together. Help us to to do this, Lord. Help us to do it cross-culturally. Help us to do this spiritually. Help us to do this cross-generationally. And how amazing would it be for some of the adults in here to, to, to walk with one of these students or for one of these students to walk with one of the adults. I pray for somebody for Pastor Lash to walk with. I pray for somebody for John to walk with. I pray for somebody for their wives to walk with. I pray for somebody for to walk with Chris Tomlin up here and, and just, uh, man, Lord, just that for people would just, we would walk together and just share life and be vulnerable. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray, amen.